Welcome, Bridge Builders. We hope you had a good holiday season. Um, during the break, Garrett and his family took a trip to Sweden to visit with his wife's, wife's family out there. Um, and Garrett's brother-in-law, one of his brother in, brothers-in-law, um, has been an avid listener to the podcast and was willing to be interviewed. His name is Christian Haglund, and he is a lawyer, author, father, and ex-member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, this interview was one of my favorites to date, personally, and we decided to split it into two parts because it went quite a bit longer than I initially anticipated. Um, so yeah, this will be about two, two episodes, about an hour long each, and I just loved listening to Christian's story and how he views the world currently and his different beliefs and spirituality that he has. Um, so take a listen, both to part one and part two, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Um, Christian goes into a little bit of his background with um, the church and how he was raised in it and how fear and shame was kind of a motivating factor for him for a long time in the church, um, as well as on his mission. And then he also goes into, while serving as a member of the bishopric, coming across different teachings that were a little bit, I guess you could say, out there or different than the standard belief in the church. Um, and those views on things were by people like Max Skousen and Denver Snuffer. So if you don't know anything about either of those individuals, um, give this episode a listen and if you would like to learn more about them, I'm sure you could just do a quick Google search. But anyway, we'll get right into it. I uh, appreciate you guys listening and welcome back to our welcome to the new year of 2023. Thanks. Um, lastly, just remember that we're not experts on religion, theology or Mormonism. Any views expressed here and belong to those who made belong to those who made the statement and do not necessarily reflect the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or its membership. Welcome to the podcast today, everyone. We are doing a international um, episode this morning, or I guess to me it's early afternoon, but to Garrett and his brother-in-law Christian, it is almost bedtime. So um, or past Christian's bedtime. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hey, everybody, um, we're super excited. Bridge building is crossing the Atlantic and the Baltic today. Um, we've got Christian Heglund here with us. I call Christian my brother-in-law, even though he's not directly my brother-in-law. He's my sister-in-law's husband, but he feels like family. And so, uh, I mean, I met Christian when I first met Christian. It was 2015. I was engaged to my wife, Louise, and I was taking a trip out to Sweden. And I appreciated how open and honest and how easy it was to talk to Christian about really anything. I mean, really anything. And, uh, but especially, you know, uh, he's got a big passion for spiritual matters for matters on, about the church. And he's really had a pretty incredible journey. That's been really fun and interesting for me to be able to observe. And also for me to be able to kind of talk with him and, um, you know, he's been kind of a mentor to me in many respects, uh, through my own faith journey. So really nice to have Christian here with us. Um, and so Christian, if you don't mind just kind of giving us a little bit of a background on you, especially, I mean, about you in general and your life, but also like, I mean, like, like who you are, what you do, yeah, are you yeah. married, do you have kids, that kind of thing, all that, that whole shebang, I, but also like, you know, a bit about your church journey as well. 
All right. Yeah, I'm delighted and, and honored to be be with you here. And I've listened to the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's it's an honor. And uh, as Garrett mentioned, and we we met in 2015, and, and back then I was I was in the bishopric in my ward, uh, one of the largest wards in Sweden, and I was how old was I? 30, 32 ish. And uh, I was on the rise, so to speak. I was climbing the ladder of, of uh, priesthood stardom and <laughs> enjoying it. I, I truly loved it. It, yeah. it was great. The uh, state president was eyeing you for <laughs> bishopdom. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. I Perhaps. guess. I guess. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I was a, a name on, on a very long list. But, but yeah, I enjoyed the church and, and, and it was my, my everything you could say. And uh, I, I grew up in a very believing family. My my parents they met in church, but they themselves they weren't raised in the church. They joined the church as teenagers with their respective mom, and uh, they were fairly orthodox. And they were pretty much administrators of the church and its programs to like towards me and my my siblings, other parents. Or more like a, a gatekeeper for the church, you know. They they protect their kids from, you know, the influences that the church uh, can have. But for my parents, they just took the the whole bait, you know, and they just swallowed it and just ran with it, so to say. And and uh, they were good, loving parents, but they they weren't very nuanced when it came to church matters. And uh, really quick, Christian, I. What do you mean by uh, those gatekeeper type of parents? What do what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I guess that so, <laughs> some parents, when they when you come home from church, you know, sit down around the dinner table or wherever, and you talk about what everyone learned in church, and 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 you can just discuss what you liked and what you didn't like, and and you know, kind of not critique, but just talk about the things that you've heard, and 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 if the parents have any different opinions or viewpoints or want to just nuance a message that was given during Sunday school, you know, they, they, they do that uh, to help their children go up to, you know, thinking and, and analyzing individuals. Uh, I, I can't remember one instance like that. Uh, you know, if it, if it came from the church, then it was true. And then we just ran with that and no questions asked. Uh, okay. so, but they just like, they, they accepted the whole program program of the church and, and all its doctrines as they understood it and and just you know handed it to us and, and we were expected to live it and and they couldn't really at least my mother who was the most present one of the, the two uh didn't really think much about it uh and that kind of stems from her experience her growing up with a very you know a very strict father uh, he was loving but she experienced him as very strict and and god became very strict in her eyes and it was just until you know when i came home from a mission in 20 2005 when she kind of let go of of this idea of a strict god and more came to embrace a loving heavenly father um mm. so that was that was a huge shift for her but it came you know perhaps too late for me as a child <laughs> i would have needed a, a more benevolent god um because it really in some ways, just mess mess with my my head my head and my emotions growing up. Gotcha. Or would you say you ever had like doubts or uh, like significant faith struggles as a child or in your upbringing because of that? 
like that strict kind of God image, or would you say that like you didn't question anything, just kind of put your head down, went to work through your whole mission, and then yeah, after, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't question anything that was outside of myself, uh, but I questioned myself to a, a large extent. Extent, uh, I. I had some experiences as a child and, and it really put me in a spot where I felt a lot of guilt and shame. And, uh, and I didn't feel comfortable enough to talk to my parents about it. So I carried that for, you know, a decade, more, two decades. Uh, and it, it really, it really was an issue. Uh, and, uh, you know, you grow up, you're supposed to be this righteous teenager who, who passes the sacrament and, 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 you know, ordains people to the priesthood. I ordained my younger brother to the priesthood, but, but during all that, I've, I felt more like a hypocrite than, than, than anything else. Uh, and I kind of thought to myself and felt that if you, if you only knew what I've done, then you wouldn't, you know, think so highly of me, or you wouldn't really let me be here in the church or, or I would be cut off from my family. Cause that was like, that, that was, that was, a. A, a real uh, fear I had to be cut off. Mm. Uh, so I kept it inside and, and I judged myself very harshly. And, and, you know, if you couple that with, with tendencies for, you know, OCD light, then, then it's, it's, it becomes a problem. Um, and it was tough during, during my mission. I served two years in Finland and it was a great time, uh, partly, but it was also just a, a shame fest or like a guilt fest. <laughs> uh, it, it was hard. Uh, I had, you know, weeks where I just felt like the worst human being. And I kind of confessed all my sins to my mistake president for like the gazillion time. Uh, <laughs> nothing really changed. Uh, and, and when the two years were up, I just, you know, I was done with with, uh, the, with the mission no thoughts of you know like desiring to stay and serve the people you know mm. i had i had so much trouble and like it was so hard to love myself and feel comfortable in my own skin that i didn't really connect with the people sadly mm. um yeah was good you think i mean or just towards the end there no like yeah. on and off yeah during those two years <laughs> it was really hard i remember having an experience which really messed with my head but like when I was ordained, like set set apart as a missionary, the stake president, he he said in, in in the in the prayer or like in, in the blessing that I was the most righteous man he they had sent out from from the stake. Wow! Uh, and that's that's high praise, and and I took that to heart. But I also knew about the mistakes that I made as as a child, but also later on as a teenager with with uh, yeah girlfriends and stuff like that. And, uh, and it was really hard for me to reconcile that those feelings that I had about my own worthiness, uh, and, and this pronunciation from the sick president who I looked up to, and I believe that he was a man of God and I, I, I couldn't envision him, you know, not telling the truth while he set me apart. Um, so I struggled with that. And I, I remember at the MTC in Provo, we, we, we were in the temple. And I was thinking about this, you know, how can this be? God can't lie. And but how come I, I feel like this? And, and, you know, I didn't really have an, an answer to anything. Uh, and this, this thought came to me very forcefully, go home. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of taken aback by that. 
because that wasn't an option, you know? And was so it a voice I can ask? Because it was a kind of like go home because no, it's just sin too much. It was just like, go home. Just like you shouldn't do this, just go home. Yeah. Okay. And and it kind of scared the yeah, the crap out of me pretty much. <laughs> uh because I, I knew that, you know, I, I I don't know if I really wanted to leave on a mission, but I, I didn't want I didn't want to be second great goods in the church, you know, mm-hmm. a second class citizen. Returning missionaries don't get the the prettiest girls and and uh, are kind of frowned upon. Uh, and everyone assumes they've done something uh, horrible. Uh, in some cases, that might be true, but but I, I wasn't really a man enough or or you know humble enough to to accept that I don't know idea of going home. Um, kind of felt like a lot of pressure to stay out there, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and going home, you know, that it would have not killed me, but of course, but but it would have been a tough pill to swallow for sure. Uh, and you know, I couldn't, it was so hard, you know, having that impression, you know, trying to decide if it was from God and then you have like, well, Satan can't be in the temple. And, uh, but then you knew that he was in the movie in the temple. So it's kind of like, yeah, well, there, there are false doctrines taught in the temple. <laughs> so maybe he could be, be within me as well. Uh, and then you have that, I guess, a backdrop of this, this, uh, you know, the most righteous young man, uh, pronunciation. Um, mm. so it, it was tough, you know, navigating between the, those, those ideas. And, and when I look back, like in my journals and, and stuff like that, I've, I've studied like every scripture there was about God telling the truth or cannot lie. And like all mm. that, They're trying to, <laughs> I kind of sort those yeah. things out. Can I ask, I mean, like the, I have this, like, you know, teachings of the church from, from back in my days as well. Kind of ringing in my ears, like the atonement, you know, did you, did you ever, did you ever feel like, you know you sought forgiveness and received forgiveness and, and like the whole, you know, all your prior sins before you went on your mission are washed away. And even sins on your mission are washed away. Do you ever feel like, Hey, I can let go of this guilt a little bit now. Cause I mean, I'm imperfect and I can keep moving forward. Or did you feel like I just can't shake this, you know, staying with me. Yeah, it was, I, I, I can't say that I had uh, some kind of atonement experience. Um, I sought for it, you know, I prayed and I fasted and, and I, you know, did all I, I, I knew to do, uh, but never really got rid of it. And, uh, and it just stuck with me. And, and whenever that feeling of guilt and shame and, you know, that feeling of you have to confess or you have to like do this, it was, it was, um, I couldn't really get rid of it. I couldn't really shake it off. And, and I guess that I should, I just, you know, confronted it head on but i i wasn't you know i was a kid i didn't really know how to do that and i was so scared of being cut off from from the church because you know being cut off from the church that means you're cut off from god and, and that's that's the end of that's the end of it so i tied to my chest but you know i i talked to my state my my mission president and and he gave me a blessing and that didn't really help so i was stuck with all that and didn't really get get free from it so so it was tough, you know, uh, trying to be this righteous vessel of, of the spirit and, you know, having to teach people and also having the, the responsibility of giving them the the opportunity to, to receive the, the restored gospel and, you know, carrying the responsibility and the guilt if that didn't happen because of me, you know. So, you know, going mm-hmm. around in Finland, carrying people's salvation on my shoulders. But yeah. that, that's what it is. You know, I, I learned 
better English and, and Finnish and, and uh, you know, became more fluent in the scriptures and all that. So it wasn't always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can relate to you. I mean, I, I also served my mission in Finland. Just, uh, yeah, different time period, different mission president. But I mean, I remember having almost like the exact same feelings. just like this guilt and this, uh, it's a high pressure mission. I feel like, you know, like you've got a difficult language to learn. Totally. Pretty giving climate. Yeah. And then like, you know, talk to you like yeah, there's the, not much buzz around right. know, Christianity in yeah. general. Or the like, Finnish culture is pretty, I mean, I, I recall many Finns. I mean, I, I should say this. I mean, I should preface this with like, I love Finns, you know, Yeah, and I'm not going to hate on them now or anything because I understand because the Finns are just very, they're, they're hard to, uh, to enter into a friendship, a mutual friendship, I would say at first. And then once you get there, it's like Finns are just like these incredibly loyal, uh, loving people who just, I mean, awesome people, you know, but you know, as a missionary, you're always kind of floating on that surface level and you're trying to make contact in the streets and Finns are quite shy at first. And so for me, I remember many Finns just walking right by me. (laughs) I would try to like, (laughs) Excuse me, you have a minute of boom. Yeah. Know, silence. Like you were selling me. snake oil or something yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 And that's like, I, I think about that sometimes when I see people, you know, trying to, to uh, recruit me to, you know, giving money to Amnesty or, you know, UNICEF or, you know, whatever. Sure. Good, good causes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, you know, yeah. I just like, I, I'm not really in the mood. Right. talking and I'm not really in the mood of giving you my money right now. Yeah. I don't need yeah. your self-righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm you, know, you pass them, you, you see them walk towards you and I'm like, oh, that was me X yeah. years ago yeah. in on the streets of Finland, but I'm not going to give you 15 yeah. seconds of my day. <laughs> so I, I totally understand that them and, and it, it's a hard mission. And, and I was, I was a pretty hard guy. They called me the Titan because Ooh. I was so hard. I don't know if that's uh, something that like, I, I was like a tough guy or what? yeah okay. yeah you know yeah. i wasn't i wasn't the one uh, the toughest one and we had this, this other core but he just like rose at like 4 30 just so he could just get in two extra hours of study wow yeah he was just bone hard and he 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 was just this, this fantastic guy i met him actually a few years ago we met up uh, at an in and out burger in, in north of salt lake yeah wow um Good, good guy. He he loved his mission and he loved the people. He was ever he was everything I, I I wasn't, but yeah, we will we. Yeah, I mean, what I'm curious now is okay. So mission hard. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Forgiveness, was, you didn't get it quite. Yeah, and I, I was you know? pretty hard against like towards companions as well. Okay, uh, wasn't really. No, yeah, no, no real. Mercy or just like a lot of just not a lot of mercy, and that really backfired in some instances. Um, but you know, I came home 2005, started law school, marriage, had a kid, finished law school, had another kid, was and that, then another. I mean, was that all and then super fast? Or I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, they were yeah. born like in 09, 11, and 13. Okay, and then we had fourth now in, in 17. So, where were you, if I can ask, like? You know, you come home from your mission, you're released. How was the, you know, post-mission on through marriage, having kids? Yeah. How, where, where were you spiritually? I, I left the mission, like, mentally very fast. You know, I came home. Yeah. We, yeah, you have a short flight home. It's like an hour. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> pretty nice. Uh, so I, I left the mission pretty, pretty quickly because 
I came home and then three weeks later, I moved to Stockholm. So I, I lived on the West coast of Sweden and then I moved across the, the country to Stockholm. And, uh, which meant that I didn't get to do this, this, you know, stake tour of giving talks. I don't know if that, that's a Swedish yeah. thing, but you know, you go around yeah. to the wards and, and, you know, you share your thoughts and, and, and experiences from your mission. And I didn't you get to like every that. ward in the state can do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you wish you would? We, we don't have that many missionaries. So, sure. uh, so okay. I, I, did, I did that too back east. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so in, in less more dense areas, you, you, yeah. you do that. And, and, and you also like report to the high council because um, oh, yeah. the, yeah, they yeah. want to hear what your experiences and they want to be uplifted <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So I didn't yeah. get to do that. Oh, okay. I, I didn't get to do the talks yeah. because I moved. And then when I came up to Stockholm, they could have, you know, they could have just enrolled me in that program up there, up here, but uh that didn't happen um mm. so i didn't really got to li- I, I didn't get to live in the missionary bubble like re relive those those experiences and those those uh those times afterwards so i came home and just started working on high school and, and that was it pretty much mm. okay. i did it, and, and you know the thing is like i haven't of course i thought about my mission but I've never, you know, dreamt back, like reminisced, like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to walk down the memory lane on this one. <laughs> and that, it never happened. Actually, you know, and you hear Elder yeah. Holland talk saying like, oh, I think about my mission every day. And yeah. I've been for the last 45 years. And I'm like, 15, 15 minutes yeah. after I was home. You wanted to put done, it behind yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I put it behind me and I haven't looked back pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so... All right. So you, so I feel like you, you've moved now. I mean, it was a quick, quick, you know, post-mission recovery, so to speak. You're right going right into law school. I mean, do you have any thoughts, doubts, things like that, that occurred around that time? Or did you feel like, I mean, how are you feeling spiritually during this whole time? I mean, up leading up until your temple marriage and your, you know, having yeah. kids, your mm-hmm. callings, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was feeling pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I was leadership material. So I, I got, you know, the callings, you know, young men's president and elder school president, Sunday school president and all that, you know, pretty much right after I came home. And, and I was, I was all in, you know, I was all in into the church and, and the gospel and, and all that, you know, the church was my life. I didn't really, you know, you go to law school, you think that I, I, I have some kind of ambition to to become something or earn a lot of money, but I I've never had, uh, and I, I still don't have. Uh, but the church that was my playground. I, I wanted to excel in 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 the gospel and and in church stuff, and and that was that was my my home, uh, both you know socially, but also like uh, when we're talking about all the, the philosophy and and all the yeah theology and all the, the doctrines. Like I I I just I reveled in. And then I just loved it all. Um, you know, I, during my mission, I studied a lot and, and became very, you know, fluent in, in the gospel. Uh, and I also read widely. So, so I was pretty, I wasn't very strict in my, my ideas or, or the concepts that I, uh, you know, thought about, but, but I was very believing, in, you know, in Joseph Smith and, mm. uh, and, and prophet today and, and all that. Yeah. Um, so I, I had no doubts uh, when I came home. I was very dogmatic, uh, very sure of my my own understanding and and and, and all that. Um, nothing really could, you know, cause me to doubt or or you know, think otherwise. Yeah, sounds like you had a 
strong testimony. Yeah, yeah. And, and then like this, this whole guilt and shame thing kind of like followed me. But then a year or so after I came home, I sat down with the stake president, uh, who I, I I sometimes golf with him. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays he's he's an avid golfer, and and I I'm a good friend of his his daughter's husband. Uh, and actually celebrated New Year's Christmas with them. Not uh, not the, yeah. the, the steak present, but, <clears throat> but, but the steak presents. Yeah. His daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's a really good man. And I, can, I remember like talking to him and, and like expressing this, that that all the sins that I committed. And and, and he's like, Christian, I, I give you permission to leave this behind you. And, oh, and like not think about this anymore. Wow. And How did that make you feel? Relieved. Uh, it was kind of like, it's kind of like, I guess I haven't had a, a, like a diagnosis for cancer or anything like that, but I guess like, if you, if you hear the words, like, this is the situation now you can move on. Yeah. This is a treatment or like, it's kind of like the sure. opposite, but kind of like you just hear the words and, and you, you let yourself move forward. And I still struggle with the feeling when, you know, when the, when the thoughts and the feelings came crashing down and, and I just let them be and like, all right, they, I'm going to feel like this for, for some time. And then I'm going to just going to let it go. I'm not going to mm-hmm. fight it because I I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to leave this behind. Mm-hmm. And eventually those, those, you know, thoughts and the, the shame and the guilt, uh, went away. Oh, wow. It used to be like a, not a weekly, but, um, you know, a monthly thing, but you know, sure. now I can like go years between the, And it's like, now it's mm-hmm. years between and, and 15 seconds instead of yeah. every, every other month and, and like a week at a time. Hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a big difference. And, and I, I really, I really uh, appreciate him, you know, being so loving. And I think that, that he, he's a convert and that's sick person. And, and I guess that he understood things about the church and the gospel that I, I'd never learned. Uh, but as I came home, you know, I, I, I brought with me this concept of, of, you know, sin being a part of life and, and that, the atonement is real. Um, I, d- I didn't really have the ability to, to really incorporate it into my own being, but it really helped my mother, you know, come out of his, her shell of you know, demands or like, uh, yeah, this sense of duty and an obligation <clears throat> towards God and, and this unforgiving, uh, perspective on, on, on deity. So, so it was good. Uh, so we really connected my mom and I over that. Um, and I wasn't fired. You know, when I came home, I was just, you know, buzzing with energy. I was like, wanted to get on with my life. And, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. not much happened. <laughs> I, remember, I, don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it, when it was, but I remember one time just, you know, having the thought that, what if Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet mm. and getting this, you know, this chill, you know, not down my spine, but just like my, my stomach becoming like mm. knotted up and like, yeah. Like cold. what would happen to me? What would yeah, my life it, mean? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it was like, I'd rather be shot in the head mm. than not, you know, or having like being wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather, I like, I, I think that, that I would rather have died than Joseph Smith not having been a prophet. Yeah. It's a tough reality to, well, okay. Yeah. I see reality just because that's my experience too, in some ways, just like 
what if that's the case? And just like the way your heart sinks and the way that you all of a sudden like start to think about things. And yeah, I didn't start thinking about things, but sure, you know, sure. But the thought crossed my mind and it just like, I'm not going there. Yeah. This can't, you know? Yeah. But I still like during all of like during all the years until like the last couple of years, I've had so hard in, in distinguishing between, you know, this promptness of the spirit and, and, my own, you know, scrupulosity or like just crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I remember sitting at home, you know, it's like quarter to 10 at night. And I just got this idea that I should go visit this family that I was home teaching. You know, I got the, I got the thought that I should visit them like pretty much from nowhere. And, uh, wow. and I was like, time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was a prompting. I went there, but they weren't home or they didn't want to open. So okay. I don't know. Nothing came of it. But I was so scared to not follow the prompting because that was, a, it was, I didn't want to risk, you know, denying God's will or his will for me. And that I, I'd much rather act in uncertainty about where this prompting came from. And, you know, doing something that I wasn't supposed to do than not do something that I, I was supposed to do. Yeah. So I was really scared. I've I understood like the last few years that, that fear was a very a driving factor in, in all of my religiosity and, and spirituality. But we, we're going to get to that, I guess. Um, so fear drove me and I, I, I remember uh getting this idea that i was supposed to like take this sign about like repentance and like stand outside of this like private like strip club downtown stockholm you yeah. know just yeah. just to, like that was like something you came up with or was it like, like an idea oh. Oh, you okay. know yeah. uh and i was like <laughs> i don't really feel comfortable in doing that you know <laughs> uh, i was like okay god like this this ain't happening and I, you know, about a struggle with it. And I, I told God, like, and then I understood that, like, in the scriptures, you have these, these people like Alma and Abinadi and whatever, like, they, they go and do things and, like, God tells them exactly what to do. And then they act in faith. But the thing is that they are never in doubt that God has actually commanded them to do something. That's a given. Right. They know that yeah. it's from God because God has made it so clear to them that this is me god talking right rather and, than like but maybe they, a fleeting thought yeah but then they yeah. act on the faith because they don't know the outcome so mm -hmm. the outcome is unsure but the starting point is absolute faith or like absolute knowledge that it's from god mm -hmm. and yeah. and i never had that you know i always acted in is this from god or is it not i'm not sure but i'm gonna go ahead because i'm so scared to not do if if it's if it's if it's from god so so i, I told god like if if you want me to do this stand with this repent all ye sinners outside of the strip club, then <laughs> you will have to give me a sign. I'm not going to do this just out of fear. I didn't really you know, use the term fear for myself, but I was like, okay, God, you have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And, uh, and I don't re remember, I don't, I can't recall what kind of, you know, thing I wanted God to do for me, but he didn't come through. 
there, left me hanging. So, so there you were. I there there was, were. Is, uh... No, I, I, I didn't go there. You know, I was like, okay, I'm very relieved that I don't have to. But that's that's that that was the extent of my commitment. You know, I was all in. And if if God would have told me to, you know, do crazy things, you know, who am I to say that I I'm not supposed to do them? You know. Yeah. So, yeah, all in. Yeah. So when did it start to, uh, I mean, when, when did you feel like, I mean, that, that was obviously seemed like a moment of perhaps, you know, spiritual insecurity, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. When would you say, I mean, did you, did you, was that the starting point? Maybe was that the catalyst or did you, did you feel like maybe there was, when did you feel like things started to 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 really get serious with yourself questioning uh, well church? yeah it i had a few years working at a district court uh like um close to gothenburg where i grew up and and then when we moved back to stockholm that this was 2013 and uh, we we had bought a house and i did some remodeling and i like i also uh, did a lot of triathlon workouts so i i like in the morning i could go you know biking for 70 80 kilometers uh i don't know how many miles there are. we can <laughs> yeah. it, it's a lot you know it's like, yeah. it's like 52 miles yeah wow kind of yeah. uh do that in the morning then run for you know four miles and then work 12 13 hours on the house uh and then doing the same thing pretty much the next day um and eventually like after a few months of that uh i just you know kind of physically crashed uh it's kind of like the bank just said like oh no no more credit for you sucker <laughs> uh, i just pushed, pushed the envelope too hard you know if, if you add one extra hour of workout you gotta add another hour extra of you know rest uh, and then also an, an extra hour of like increased and better nutritional intake. So I just, you know, added on more pra- like workouts, but didn't really give anything back to the body. So, so eventually just said, no, I'm, I'm done. And, and this was in like September and, uh, I was kind of like, just, you know, that, that whole f- fall, I was just, you know, going to bed at eight, sleeping 12 hours and, uh, not doing pretty much anything, but I went for a, I walk one one night one evening and it was it was like I, I, became, I was endowed with some kind of like yeah it's like god touched me in a sense and i just felt this overwhelming desire and purpose in trying to be close to god and jesus you know it's just like that's what i want and that's what means something um, so that was a that was a, a, sh- a shift because when I when I when I became kind of burnt out, I lost some sense. I lost spirituality, and that kind of caused me to think about like if I lose so much spirituality when I'm not able to work out, then how, how much spirituality am I getting from the church from my religion? And and I kind of realized that there was something amiss. And, uh, but then I was given this experience and this, this endowment, so to speak. And after that, I, and I went to the temple every week and I fasted every other week. Uh, you know, I was really committed in, in, you know, seeking out this Jesus as Moroni writes in, in, in the book of ether. And, uh, 
And I noticed that doing all these religious things didn't give me the same feeling of closeness or purpose or love that I received from that, just taking that walk and having God's finger touch me. If that was what happened, but by, by having that experience. And that kind of like put these churchy religious practices in a different light for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that became kind of like, I was a, a seminary teacher, uh, at that time. And that really influenced how I, I taught, you know, the gospel and taught about Jesus and all that, you know, that really tried to help these kids understand the difference between being religious and being spiritual. And, uh, and so that, that was a huge, huge turning point for me. So and, Christian, really quick, yeah. if I'm understanding this right, you're saying that by going on the walk, it was more therapeutic and helped you more rather than just like praying and reading your scriptures and stuff like that. Like, is that, yeah. Yeah. Well, not just walk by like that. I, I, you know, I had a prayer in my heart and then, you know, I, I, I got in contact with the divine. Okay. Like you didn't need sort of yeah. medium. Yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> you didn't need to go to, no. you, didn't need, you didn't need to be inside of a temple. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or a sacrament meeting. Because when God yeah. reaches you, then that's, that beats it all. You know? yeah. yeah. And then during that time, Evelina, my, my wife, she, I don't know how she found it, but, but she was, she sent me a link to this blog post from, from a blog that I hadn't seen. Uh, it was about, it was called ordinances and assumptions. And this guy just wrote about how we view ordinances as something like a done deal, but it's more like an invitation to mm-hmm. seek out and, and receive, you know, baptism, you know, you, you, you're baptized, but that doesn't mean that you've actually been baptized or yeah. you've, you've been told and doing a member of the church and like, you've been challenged or counseled to, to seek like receive the Holy ghost, but you might, you might go 10 years before you actually do that. Mm-hmm. And, and that hit home to me. It's like, ah, oh, it made sense. And so then I started reading all that, all those blog posts. And, and this guy, he, he kind of like discussed <clears throat> quotes from Joseph Smith that people had misunderstood. And, and, you know, he, he had a really interesting take on the gospel that really resonated with me. And he wasn't like against the church, but he, he was against assumptions and, and, you know, false ideas that we had about the church and, and its doctrine. And then he introduced me to Denver Schnaffer mm. through that blog. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I became acquainted with his, he gave those, during that period, he gave those talks. He had 10 talks in Orem and in Provo. and in you, Christian, do you want to like give like a 10 second, like, uh, introduction? Who to is Denver Schnaffer? Yeah. Yeah. For I, those who aren't aware. Like at that time, like 10 years ago, he was just this, member in the church he written a book about the second comforter you know meeting christ uh like the first comforter is the holy ghost and the second comforter is is the the experience of actually having uh like a um, eye tie meeting with with jesus and and he wrote a book about his experience and how how everyone could have that experience and and then from that, I, I I would say that he he was called, at least he experienced himself to be called to, to kind of set the church in order in some way. Yeah. And he he gave talks, 10 talks, and they were like three hours long each. Uh, and they were like at that time I I just devoured them. It was just so 
much, I guess, light, but also light and knowledge to an extent that I hadn't, you know, you, you can listen to hundreds of general conferences and, and not receive like a particle of what he, he presented. It was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually like he, he became, uh, he became excommunicated from the church. I can't remember exactly why, but, but yeah. So he became excommunicated and continued his work to, you know, kind of like reclaim the restoration or restore the restoration. Right. And, uh, and I got pulled into that, but, but during that time, I, I became a, a, a member in the bishopric in my ward. And that was a great experience. I, I loved every aspect of it, you know, being able to give talks pretty much whenever I wanted. And, you know, crashing people's lessons and like being this go-to guy, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a dogmatic, you know, not so humble guy wanting to be in the middle uh, of, of everything and, and like climbing the ladder. It was just a, it's just a ball. So I really enjoyed that. And I, I believe that we, we did some good, good things. You know, we try to really focus the, the word on, on seeking Jesus, seeking out Jesus and, and, you know, focusing everything on that. And yeah, I believe we did some good, but, um, it became increasingly harder to, to be a member in the, in the bishopric. Uh, the bishop started to, you know, get vibes from me that, that he was kind of like questioning about. Uh, I said some things about that, that really didn't really mesh with, with his uh, experience or his view on things. Kind uh, of in relation to Denver's teachings, like. Oh, well, kind of, it really influenced me, of course, because Denver has <laughs> this idea that, uh, that the church went uh, off the rails after Joseph was killed. And that right. Brigham Young didn't have any keys and that he, you know, was an usurper and he took charge of the church and, and he kind of led it astray with the polygamy and whatnot. And, and that's been the case ever since. So the church doesn't have, they don't have, the church doesn't have the priesthood keys and, and it's, they, they teach them not the false doctrines pretty much. Right. And, and he felt charged by God to kind of set that in order and, uh, and started the restoration anew, pretty much continuing the work that Joseph that ended with Joseph Smith and his right. death. Okay. Um, but, but it was just this instance that we had this, this guy in the ward. He, he, instead of coming to church, he just went out in the woods and I was like, well, that's good for him. Like that's, that's perfect. If he feels, if he feels the spirit there, then I'm all up for that. And the bishop was like, oh, not really. He has to come here take the sacrament. And, and all that and he's a really orthodox guy so so he did really that he kind of got some vibes from me that that we weren't really on the same page sure and and i started you know writing i had this blog that i you know wrote stuff no one ever read the blog pretty much <laughs> um but i i wrote and it was a lot of fun um and that kind of led me to be released from from my position in bishopric because of your thoughts or uh, the, the blog beliefs. yeah the blog <laughs> yeah. yeah what kind of things were you writing on there well the the, the post that kind of got me kicked out was one that i called breaking up with the church hmm. and it was me just trying to explain how i broke up with the institutional church but I, you know, I wanted to be with the church that Jesus talks about in the Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 10, section 10, where it says that all who believes, all who repents and come unto me, they are my church. 
And I was like, that's the church that I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it through, yeah, it came to the, to the knowledge of, of a guy in the state presidency. And, uh, and, you know, a week later I was released honorably released (laughs) yeah and because like yeah well you can have your opinions they said it but but we can't really have a leader in the church who you know expresses and stuff like that but the thing was like no one in my congregation had read that post right no one i didn't you know market it or like you know, sure. put up links or anything like that. So, but one of the bishop members, Bishop Rick, that is take presidency. Yeah, they had found it. Yeah, huh. because like this, I had this friend back then who who was like wrote a guest post, and he sent that link to a younger brother to one of the state presidency. Huh. So yeah, <laughs> so that was that was that was it, and so I was released. But but the thing was like I, I thought about you know asking to be released earlier, but decided not to. Uh, and, and I had this experience, I, I kind of like thought about it back and forth and like debating and talking, talking about it with, with a few friends of mine. And, um, then I opened up the scriptures just, you know, randomly as you hear people do sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I opened it up to Alma 36, seven, somewhere around that. And then, so like in, on, on in one column, you had like the things that you should focus on, you know, it's love and repentance and like all those things. And then on the other, in the other column, it's like, why the Liahona works? It has to be 37. Mm-hmm. This is why the Liahona works, like AKA the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, here I got my answer. Like I'm all down with what matters. And then I got the explanation to why this worked for me because I believe that I would receive the answer. I sought out the Liahona for guidance. So that was a special experience. Um, I haven't thought about that for a while, actually. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I felt really comfortable in, in staying in my position in the bishopric because I felt like God showed me what really matters. And uh, so I felt vindicated by by God to to keep on doing what I was doing. Uh, but the, the state president wouldn't have any of it. So I was released. Yeah. What year was this? Early 2016. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later that year, like that summer, I went to Salt Lake in Idaho mm-hmm. for the first Denver Snuffer follower general conference thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you flew out here. Yeah. For yeah. I flew out for a week, flew into Salt Lake, met a few friends, drove up to, to Boise. Had a blast there. Got to meet Denver Snuffer, actually. You know, I had sat down with him and over lunch and and I spoke to him. He, he's, yeah, he's a special, special guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just had a blast. And then went back to Salt Lake and met a few more old friends, missionary buddies, and and then went home. Yeah. It was a great trip. But then that that whole, it, I was like a neo-fundamentalist, you know, I was just, you know, <laughs> Fundamentalist, but went back to the, uh, yeah. A non-polygamy fundamentalist, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like the idea, like uh, at these, like the the concept of polygamy was introduced by Brigham Young. Like the the, the followers of Denver Snuffer, they they don't accept that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Right. 
Um, and I haven't, you know, studied up on, on their uh, rationale behind that, but, but that's, they have to believe that because otherwise they would just be, you know, crazy because it was, it was a construct of Brigham Young and they tried to pin it on Joseph so he could fall under the first amendment and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. Polygamy isn't, isn't, isn't a good thing for them. And, uh, but I was really into that and, and, you know, had this blog and I had a few readers and I started writing English and stuff like that. And, and then I remember, yeah, I think there was a bishop. He asked me, he, he called me and he was like, he ch- challenged me to, he asked me to do something. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm sure I can do that. It, I don't know if. I can't remember exactly, but I went home and, and prayed about it and, and asked God, like, is this what I'm supposed to do? And then I got the distinct impression that I should, I should write a book. Hmm. And, and I was like, okay. Because that was like total opposite to what the, 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 the bishop asked me to do. <laughs> He asked me to like to, to just keep a low profile. I think that was it. Yeah, to keep a low profile. <laughs> yeah, writing a book isn't a low profile. Yeah, I was like, write a book. All right. Well, I felt good about that. I felt like harmony and I felt like energized, uh-huh. pumped, you know. I also feel like, I mean, at the same time as you're going through all this, <clears throat> kind of something that I'm noticing is like there's this theme of you keep getting these inspirational promptings. You know, it seems like God is speaking to you. And it seems like the leadership is reacting in a completely opposite way yeah, to the yeah, things yeah. that are being, I mean, for, first with your calling, you know, and your, your blogging and then with the book writing and that kind of thing, like you, you've, you're starting to feel like, I mean, is, is, is anything going through your mind during that time where you're kind of like, Hmm, my leaders aren't really following what God seems to be telling me. I mean, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a problem. I, I I do remember like noting that this is how it is, but then like God, God decides and, and I wasn't really scared of what they could do. And I, I kind of questioned their whole authority to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understood that they are the leaders of the church today, but other than that, no, they, they don't have any priesthood keys pretty much. Oh, okay. That's what you believed at that point. Yeah. You, yeah, you didn't yeah. feel like they spoke for God. Or... No, 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 okay. no, no, okay. no, no. Uh, they didn't. And, and no one had since, you know, the days of Joseph. Joseph yeah. was like this demigod, like uh, he is for most Mormons, but, or like you say, members of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me say <laughs> right. um, we use the terms interchangeably here. So yeah, that, that's good. And I, I hope that no one's offended. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, but uh, yeah, so I, I decided to write, write a book and, and I started like the next day. I was like typing and, you know, just experiences this darkness coming over me, like a stupor of thought, like mm. words were so hard to come by. And I've always been like a fairly fluent writer, you know, I just find the red line and I'm just like, you know, I can just type and, and it's done pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just experienced the total opposite. And, and I, I guess that the thing was like, I tried to be all smart and whatnot, you know, trying to like the, write a definitive work on Mormonism, <laughs> 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 like it could be ever, ever could be done. Uh, <laughs> But, but I, and I, I asked God and like, I, I prayed and I asked like, okay, God, you told me to write a book. I've started to write, but it's like, it's the most slow process ever. What should I do? And then I just like hung up. And the phone's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just, you know, pushed the red button and got into bed. And like 10 seconds later, not, not like just a few moments later, I got the idea, or like the thought, the words, write about your experience. And I was like, oh, uh. I can do that. And then I felt. Yeah. So maybe, okay. So you were thinking before, like, I'm going to write this sort of critical masterpiece yeah 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 yeah. i was like like hubris to the max of like yeah yeah this is gonna be the bomb right all encompassing (laughs) yeah pretty much manual maybe yeah (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. i don't know yeah i never got that far you know i never got past (laughs) the title page pretty much yeah but but it was really yeah i didn't got get that far but then like right about my experience okay i can do that so i some of those blog posts that i've written i put into to the book and I called it what like I yet? No, that's the second one. Okay. It was I can't remember what, what it's called. But it's 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 only available in Swedish. Um uh, I have the English his second book in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that, that's a yeah. blockbuster. But but the thing was like <laughs> I, I on the front page I had this this picture of the Nauvoo temple, like the ruins from the Nauvoo temple. I had to I had to like mirror, like turn it around. So it could fit on the, the front cover, but yeah, but that was like that. That was a, a huge theme for the book, and I I share like my like the first part of the book was my experience and why why I was writing this book, and then I had like a section of pulling weeds of like untruths from the flower bed of faith, pretty much. Like yeah. so I have five chapters about like these misconcepts that the church was full of. And uh, and then this last part was kind of like an invitation to all to come with Jesus, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, and one of those those main ideas in the book is concerns these this idea of priesthood, and and the text for that was DNC 124, and uh, and they were in Nauvoo. It's like 1842, and and the, the Joseph Smith is charged to build a temple because there is it's, and, and and then the Lord says like because there is no place where I can restore what was taken from you, the fullness of the priesthood. And then they are promised blessings if they do it. And then they are promised curses if they don't. And as history has it, uh, and the history that, you know, I, I, I accept even now is that they never finished the Nebu temple. Uh, they, they did it to a certain extent and they performed the ceilings and not, not, yeah, and ceilings and, and endowments and stuff like that but they never finished like the the, the top floor or the roof and eventually they had to leave Nevu and, and cross the plains and uh, eventually the the temple was burned up some arsonists had had his field day and uh <laughs> and then all the, they toppled the, all the ruins like the stones were just you know one big pile and and when when I like looked at that, and this was an idea that I got from Demon Surfer for sure. And and like the idea is that all the cursings that they were promised happened. They would be moved out of their place, they would suffer, you know, plagues, and they would suffer this and this and this. And and none of the the promises for achieving what God charged them to to do were fulfilled. Uh and that puts the question, like that that, that begs the question do the church have the priesthood mm. or does the church have the priesthood? Right. Yeah. And since they didn't finish the temple, there was no place for God to restore it. And if that's the case, then they don't have the fullness of the priesthood. Yeah. And that's, 
you know? And I spoke to my stake president about that, but he was like, eh, like this goose, like the water just ran straight off him. And I understand that. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but but there was a huge issue. issue. And then they had all these other things like, yeah, we don't have to go into those. But, but that was a big piece of the puzzle for me. Well, looking at the church, the modern church, like, is it, is it what it claims to be? And, and, and I came up with the, the answer that it's not, you know, it's not God's church anymore. Hmm. So I, I saw a place and a need for a, a restart, reboot of the restoration. And, and I, I'd received a lot of light and knowledge from Demers Nuffer through mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of opened up my mind to, to the scriptures. Uh, so I was like, well, I was on, on board with that. Uh, eventually I fell out of kind of love with Demer Snuffer and this whole movement. They, they like, they start, everyone was supposed to be baptized anew. And then they offered this new covenant from God. And it was just, yeah, this huge thing. And maybe if I lived in the States with people like, like-minded people around me, maybe that would have been, uh, I've been a part of that still. I don't know. But yeah. since you have this, this distance, uh, I kind of like fell out of love with it all. And, and, uh, mm lost that part of it i mean <clears throat> yeah i can understand that and how did you get from that point this kind of you know you've you've fallen out of love and how you said it mm. with the denver's snuffer movement and i mean when we were talking we, we had this nice talk you know in the sauna the other day it was, it yeah. was a nice nice uh deep talk uh, i love those sauna talks we have and um it sounded like you're kind of in um, this space of uh, it it sounded quite a bit distant from anything resembling Mormonism in terms of your belief. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now, nowadays, yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, So I guess if we fast forward, yeah, I, I became disenfranchised a little disenchanted with the church. You know, I went to the, I went to church because I'm a, I'm a Mormon or I was a member and, and, uh, but I came home, you know, just, old, you know, <laughs> because all the crap that I was hearing from the pulp, you know, people yeah. standing up talking about things that they don't know anything about. You know, I've written a book, Crown Out Loud, you know, and they're just talking rubbish. So I was pretty, you know, judgmental. And uh, and I was also fairly outspoken. So I said things from the pulpit, you know, even as a member of the bishopric people, you know, afterwards, they went to the bishop like, is he allowed to say these things? <laughs> Like, huh. I'd much rather see you drink coffee and have love than not drink coffee, not have love. Uh. And that was, that was a deal breaker. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, so I was pretty outspoken and not very diplomatic, um, at all, actually. And, and that became an, an issue. Uh, but I came home, you know, and my mom, my, my wife started also to like, kind of not really be that invested in the church okay. at this time. Uh, so I came home and being just not really happy when I come over to church. And, and that continued until like the, the fall of 2017. And, and that was like a low point, uh, for me. And then on Facebook and this, I like a, a guy that I got to know, know through the Denver Snuffer movement, uh, he posted a quote that just like totally took my, took not my breath away, but I was like, I was totally drawn to it. I didn't know what it was, who, who it was from, but I was like, this means something. And then he posted these, these links to, to an audio re- recording and I downloaded it and I started to listen to it. And like 45 minutes into this, like four hour long audio clip, I was just like blown away. 
Mm. Totally blown away. I was like, this is a game changer. Like this changes everything. And and like I listened to and, and I studied the words of Demi Snuffer that really kind of blew me away in a sense as well. But this just changed the fundamental premise for, for like my take on the world. Mm. And and it was, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was. And what was that? Sorry, if you yeah, that was that. Max Skousen, yeah. who's the younger brother of Cleon Skousen, who used to be like a police commissioner in Utah, but he was also like this author he wrote books about the old testament and he has this <clears throat> immensely popular like audio tape about the atonement okay where he tries to explain how it works huh. that yeah i can't really uh, go into that because i i haven't listened to it in a long time but he's he's uh he's a he's a well-known name have you heard about him mitch i've heard the name but i couldn't tell you anything about him so i'm doing a quick google search right now actually <laughs> yeah he's the man and his younger brother he's kind of like a mormon mystic and he he actually became excommunicated twice from the church that's, that's what i'm reading right now like max gavs and excommunicated yeah. twice <laughs> yeah that's so i think he excommunicated he joined back in yeah and then he got excommunicated yeah again. yeah wow that's impressive it is <laughs> but the thing is like like this audio, like it's 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 a discussion between Max Gausen and his buddy, and and the premise is that this buddy hasn't felt this power from living the, in the church or being in the church all these years, and Max Gausen is about to tell him why. So the first two hours, it's like him like setting the premise, like talking about like these ideas, and then the 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 second part is them going back to these ideas like a few weeks later uh, when the this friend has had time to you know think about them and study them and kind of like practice them and and i was taken aback like they was just awesome uh, it really spoke to me then and and like that when i try to explain what he said you know four hours it's it's a long time and it's kind of hard to just like summarize it but his, his main text is Moroni 7. And, but then he actually explains or gives an explanation for the trees in the Garden of Eden. So he explains it, he kind of like takes his starting point from the Garden of Eden, where he explains that, that we can view the world in, we can eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge, which is a tree of dualism. You have the good and bad the right or wrong, the ideal and the not ideal, sin, righteousness. You have all these, these uh, opposites in the tree of life, or tree of knowledge, sorry. But then in the tree of life, that's a monis, monistic tree. Like it's, it's, a, it's a tree of oneness. Everything belongs in the tree of life. And when you eat the tree of knowledge, a fruit of, from the tree of knowledge of good and bad, there is no life in that because when you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Right, so there is no life as godly life in when when we are in the in the state of dualism, but we can experience that when we are in, yeah, when we are one with what is and and all that is that's God. So that's that's kind of like he he explains the idea using these two trees, and and it talks about like how how the illusion of conclusion. Uh, that whenever we think that we have something down, like that something is in a certain way or that something should be in a certain way, then we are living in 
in an illusion uh, because there is no way for us to correctly state how something should be. Um, and he, he can't like, he talks about like God, everything being in God. So God is in and around everything. So everything that happens is part of God and that's part of existence. And that's part of what is and what is, is, and we can't challenge it because that's what is. And there is no other thing than that which is. So when we're living in a state of non-acceptance of reality, we're living in an illusion and we judge what is or God according to some kind of mental benchmark or some kind of like idea that we have about how things should be. Like we know how things should be. Like, I don't even know how my, how, how, what I should do like tomorrow, you know, or like how, to, how I should act in this situation. So how can I say anything about how someone else should act or how they should have done or anything like that? Yeah. And when that came to me, I was like, I don't have to judge anything. I don't have to say that anything is wrong because all that's been, all that is, is as it is. And that's, I guess, how it should be. Because it happened. Because it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it, it happened. And who am I to say that it should be some in some other way? Mm -hmm. right. Try to interpret it as something maybe you're... No, it's just like that. It's just like just not judging. It's like it, there's no judging because there is no nothing to judge against in the tree of life mm -hmm. because there is no ideal. You can't put up an, an an idea of how things should be in the tree of life because there is no dualism. Yeah, like you you need a right and wrong to be able to have a context for judgment. Yeah, right. So if you if you if you if you can't if there's no right and wrong, I guess in theory all that's left is just what is that, yeah. that's kind of what you, yeah. yeah but then you can also you can assess things as being light or being flow or some things being in resistance mm -hmm. like living judging the reality or judging what is is living in resistance and that's living in the tree of knowledge mm -hmm. and that will never turn out well you know it, it causes anxiety or it causes guilt because either you live in the past or you live in the future Mm -hmm. And if you live in the future, you always have the the discrepancy or like the the gulf or like the the, the gap between where you are and where you should be or where you ought to be or right. in order to be loved sure. or in order to be successful or yeah. in order to be, you know, whatever you think that you have to be in order to become saved or be happy or whatever. Yeah. So it's constant judging of yourself and other people against like an, an illusory idea. We believe in it, but it's it's an illusion. And so, what I'm wondering is, and I think, uh, <clears throat> Mitch, you know, like I, this is kind of, we kind of talked about this a little bit the other day, just Christian and I. And mm -hmm. it, for me, I was able to kind of grasp a, a bit of what you mean, and, and kind of, and kind of how this translates when when you know it, when you can describe it as in a context of how does this apply to your relationship with the church now, you know, mm -hmm. and how does this apply to, how do you, how does this compare to where your faith was before, if that makes sense? And do you feel like you, could you walk us through yeah. a bit about uh, on, on that? Yeah. Well, what I felt was that I, I it kind of like moved me from a place of dogmatism and judgment and pretty much anger into a, a, a space where I was like, okay, from from this perspective, I can accept the church as it is. I can accept 
the people standing in the pulpit, you know, talking about this and that, because I can't say that they shouldn't be talking about this and that. I can't say that they should know better because they obviously don't. And that's, I guess, okay, because that's how it is. So I felt like this, this pressure and of, of judging kind of just <sighs> melted away. Mm. And it yeah. was a, a relief, a total relief. Mm. And of course, like, like just because you, you, you're diagnosed with a, with a sickness, you're not healed, but it really, I think it gives you a sense of calmness. Maybe, I know you could be upset because you're sick, but, but the calmness that you know what's wrong and now you can fix it. So I understood like, ah, oh, I'm in these two trees. I'm sitting in the tree of knowledge. I'm just like eating my, yeah, my money's worth. <laughs> Ten uh, percent worth. <laughs> so I feel that like okay, I need to move. I, I mean, I got a vision of the tree of of life, and the the concept of living in flow with what is, instead of living in resistance and try to work against that wishes. Of course, yeah. you cannot change your circumstances. You know, just because you are sick doesn't mean that you have to be sick. You can always change, but you have to start from a position where you accept that you are where you are at this very moment. And that's all, that's okay, because it's still in God and you're still loving. And, and, and it, yeah, it just gave me this, this more nuanced, but also more loving approach to, to people. And, and I felt that I didn't have to judge myself harshly because I was just everything that I should be, because this is all I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also kind of understood that. Yeah, I lost it. No, if I can comment, I mean, something struck me when you were just saying that is that you said like I'm I'm finally just uh, as I am, you know, and 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 I'm all who I am because I know that there was a theme when you were talking about your upbringing is you could never really accept who you were, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of understood that that this I understood that this idea of of the fall for me. It's more like a, the fall is the misconception that we are separated from God. It's a mental fall. As long as we believe that we have to become something that we aren't in order to be one with that which is, then we are fallen. So whenever we, when we wake up to the concept of like that nothing can separate us from God, just like Paul wrote to the Romans, then we are one with God. The only thing that can separate me from God is my me believing that I am. That's the only thing that can separate me from God. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful separation. Because if I believe that I'm separated as, as I grew up believing, yeah, then I am separated. It's also a powerful separation, if I might ask, I mean, I might kind of clarify on here from the church too. I mean, because I mean, I think that the church is very dogmatic, is very dualistic, in my opinion. It's it's very, I mean, there are clear commandments, there's clear rights, and there's clear wrongs. So when you begin... Very black to, and white, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think even active members in the church can agree on this, that we have a set of standards in the church that are... Yeah, they're non-negotiable. Know, yes, and and I guess, and this is where, this is where I think uh, the way you think or believe gets kind of interesting is... I mean, we, we talk on this podcast a lot about bridge building, you know, and like, how, how, how do we get to a point where, and I guess what I'm really curious to hear from you, Christian, is, is like, 
it, it seems like you've reached a point with how you believe now uh, where you're able to accept the church and you're able to accept members of the church uh, for face value, right? Because that is what it is. It, it's they are who they are and, and what, it, what is happening is what is happening. Right. Mm. And I, <laughs> excuse me, I, I feel like, especially coming from an ex Mormon standpoint, I feel like there is a lot of collective anger uh, in that community against the church perhaps, or against maybe wrongs that we feel like the church has done to us or rather maybe the teachings you know Mm. maybe the teachings have made us feel guilty or like we're carrying these burdens or that we're never good enough or whatever it is right there's so many different reasons but you know what i wonder is you know how how can we sort of as ex-members begin to build this bridge and be able to accept and build relationships and community with those who are active and maybe see things through a dualistic lens, you know? Please join us for part two of this episode in episode 11, where we continue our discussion with Christian and talk about how we can build bridges, both as ex-members and members of the church and how to come together more.